0: Update. My name is Sean Morgan. I'm the host of the Sean Morgan Report over at Amp News, and I'm here with Dr. Kirk Elliott. So, Kirk, I took a look at Zero Hedge today and had a lot of interesting headlines. I know how you have a lot of things you want to cover, but the numbers of the real economy are not looking so great. And a very interesting stat that I saw was that just 1% of U.S. homes have changed hands in 2023. That's the lowest on record. So that's that's a really weird situation for our housing market to be in. And uh, I wanted to get your take on that. And then once I get your take, I'll read uh, the part in the article where they explain why we're in this weird situation.
1: Yeah, I'd like to hear their explanation. <laughs> I really would, okay, but... I'll give you the explanation
0: then yeah. if you want first. Yeah. So, so, they said, go, well, I'll just say this is what their explanation was. And this is an interesting uh, financial uh, quandary to be in. The reality why prices have not collapsed is that the bid-ask spread for any home currently for sale has ballooned to levels where the market is effectively frozen. There's simply no possibility for the bid and ask to meet somewhere in the middle, in the range where you know, you've know you got people hoping to buy who are already tapped out before being asked to pay even more, while the sellers are already wealthy and they're seeing it as fire sale price and they don't want to go for it. So. We've got no buying and no selling happening. Everyone's just staying with the inventory that they have, and that's not healthy.
1: Well, see, a lot of people, are they're, they're losing their jobs, right? Wages are coming down, and they may have bought a house over the last year or two and thought, man, I can't afford this. I, I got to sell it. So they want to sell it, and they think, I, I've got to get out of it what I put into it, right? I don't want to lose money on this. But that's not where the markets are justifying, right? The the markets are collapsing, so so now this is this is in layman's terms what what you just said that that bid and ask spread is, the sellers don't want to lose money on their house. like like anything. Everyone always thinks that what they have is worth more than it really is, right? Or there might be a function behind it. Let's say you you when you have to pay the realtor fees, it's like man, I'm going to lose forty thousand dollars that I'm going to have to cough up. I don't have it. Right. So so they can't sell it at a lower price, but the markets don't justify their high price. So therefore, there's nothing. It's a stalemate. Right. right. And This is what we're seeing. But I think as the years go on, it's that this is going to come down a lot. And those people are going to wish that they would have sold at just a thirty thousand dollars loss rather than maybe one hundred or one hundred and fifty down the road or worse than that. They just default on it and the whole thing gets taken away by the banks.
0: I agree. There's another weird indicator where all the Airbnb uh, inventory is not working out the way investors had thought it would. They thought, oh, I'll buy an extra house. I'll just rent it out on Airbnb. But then no one uh, is renting it out. And now they're stuck with this uh, investment property and they don't know how to get rid of it. Uh, So you're right, I think, when you say that um, the real market value is lower than what the sellers are willing to sell for. And this is kind of this phase before a market downturn where people capitulate, right? Uh, Other really weird, um, not weird, but just very in line indicators for a coming recession uh, is the Philly Fed manufacturing survey said 10th straight month of contraction for manufacturing. And we've got uh, jobless claims rose last week, adjusted initial claims at January highs and the tech stocks are spooked. Netflix, Tesla, Taiwan, uh, semi earnings, and the world's largest chipmaker slash guidance. So the AI boom is failing to deliver. So people keep thinking that something is going to save the stock market. The latest trend, and we certainly saw a pop with AI, but uh, this is not sustainable.
1: No, it's it's not sustainable. And and you know you look at these. So we we went over that real those real estate numbers, right? It's like okay, there's there's even worse ones than that, which is, that's existing inventory, right? Uh, Buyers don't want to sell their stuff for lower than what they paid for it. But you look at construction on on the flip side of that, that's the other part of real estate, right? US housing starts down 8%. This isn't for a year, this is over the last 30 days. So these numbers are for 30 days worth. Building permits down 3.7% multi-family construction um units started down 11% and basically just for for rental units like apartment buildings the number of permits that are that are being going out there for construction companies to build these things down 13.5% in one month so the average is a 10% contraction and the demand for construction in simply one month, because that's massive, right? So, so how can Biden go out there and say, "Yeah, we're we we've won this war on inflation. The recession's over. Um, this is pretty good. We can we can just pause now on these rate hikes." And it's like,
0: no. No. Well, they won the war on housing inflation because the housing prices are going to come down.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. So they think that they've won the war on inflation because real estate's collapsing. It's like, okay, I guess there's more ways to make your numbers look justified than one. But but that's just insane. That is not people would say, yeah, I'll take I'll take the war on inflation being one if the economy is robust and growing. Right. And people that can afford those those prices. Right. But but this is not what we have. The. Yeah it looks like they won this war on inflation and housing because nobody can afford to buy a house and the prices are absolutely tanking. So they're going to spin that as a positive saying, look, we're beating inflation where anyone that's looking to buy a house or sell a house is thinking crud. I, there's no inventory there. The buyers aren't selling the, the buyers or, or the sellers saying, we're not making any money. We're not going to sell. It's like, this is, this is a brutal Domino effect that's happening right underneath our nose,
0: and what we're seeing is a wealth transfer. Where I remember when BlackRock was during the the housing boom was buying up all the single family homes, and their plan was, oh, we'll just rent them all out to to the serfs, you know. So what we have is less people owning homes, you know, and more people renting at inflated prices, and it's just stretching people. Um, you You noticed a couple other really interesting headlines Nigel Farage, the famous British politician, has been debanked so you know this is this is crazy. You never saw this years ago where people all of a sudden lost their ability to do do banking, but now we've got Kanye West and Nigel Farage and anyone who happens to be a controversial conservative figure uh can no longer bank
1: with certain institutions yeah so so we've We've been warning about this exact thing, Sean, for for now months on on our shows, right? So it's it's about your ability to buy or sell according to the World Economic Forum is is because there's programmable money, and if we don't like what you're spending your money on, we're going to cut you off. And then you've got Bank for International Settlements saying the use of funds has to match up with their ideology, or they're not going to allow bank wires, right? So so the the common theme is ideology your views has to match up with theirs or no money, right? Well, that's been our warning. And people have called me and said, Kirk, it's so, such a radical view and that's never going to happen. It's like, no, it it's not my words. It's theirs, right? And then they did it, right? So <laughs> Nigel Raj, why was, why was he debanked? Because, okay, he's a very high net worth person, at a very private level concierge level bank called Coutts, C O U T T S. So, this is you know basically a wealth management firm, a bank for private individuals that have high net worth. You would think they're going to they're going to take really good care of these people, right? Yeah. Well, well no. I mean, what what's to think that you've got Nigel Farage who's high net worth at a very a prestigious bank, you know, uh, been around since the 1600s one of the eighth oldest banks in the world I mean this is amazing right so so yeah you and me and anybody else who just has a, an account at JP Morgan Chase or Bank of America or whatever right it's like what's to make us think that that we're not going to get debanked? If we say something crazy. Well, or,
0: they will you know, keep they will keep working with the Jeffrey Epsteins. We've seen that in the news, yeah. that no matter how many warning signs came up, they just wanted to keep clients like Jeffrey Epstein. But a billionaire like Kanye West is kicked to the curb for being controversial. Uh, so it's not about profit. You know, this is about uh, ideology. Like you said, it's already happened to me. Got kicked off of PayPal and Venmo and Patreon. And, uh, it's already happened to the truckers in Canada who, right. and the people who supported the truckers, they
1: got their accounts frozen. So this is a major power play. Well, it is a major power play and see, see, so how lied to him saying, oh, your, your, uh, financial threshold has fallen below that to be a, a member of the private bank. He said, well, well that's garbage. It didn't, but then they, so because he's a high net worth public figure, they had a 40 page memorandum that described why they had to do this. So, in this memorandum, in an explosive, like 40 page memo, Brexit was mentioned 86 times, Russia 144 times, PEP 10 times, support for Trump plus views on immigration, net zero, and the vaccine oh, yeah. were also listed as reasons to exit. There you go. There's COVID. the taboo so, list. They they have the list right. It's like when you count the words of the reasons why. It's like, okay, ideology does make a difference. Everything you and I have been warning people about, he just got it right. He just got right. uh, debanked because of his views, because of his conservative political views, and his ideology. This is why I mention these things with you on these shows and talk about the Bank for International Settlements saying. The ideology is going to be the cause of ownership or non-ownership. I this is why I talk about Dr. Pippa Momgren at the world government, you know, summit saying programmable money means the ability to cut you off from buying or selling if your digital social profile doesn't add up. It's like, wow. So so I bet poor poor Farage's social credit score is probably pretty low right now, right? Because he got debanked. Right. But but to me, that's almost like a badge of honor for him. Right. It's like, yeah, he yes. stuck true to his guns. He, he's just going to have to find another bank that that will take his hard earned money. Um, but those are becoming harder and harder to come by with consolidation right. in the banking world where big banks are buying up medium and medium buying up small banks. Right. They need consolidation for their evil plan to separate people from their money to work, because probably ind- independent bankers would never do something like that.
0: We actually have to be grateful to see these canaries in the coal mine now so that we can anticipate and plan for the future. Because, uh, you know, you bet whenever I had my debanking experience that it forced me to figure out how to be resilient. And now we're experiencing that as a collective. All conservatives worldwide have to figure out how do we get our privacy? How do we have a parallel financial system and of course, gold and silver plays perfectly into that because it's private. The government doesn't track it. And it's part of our ability to interact with each other privately. Maybe I want to buy a car from you, Kirk, and I don't want uh, the Fed now system to be able to analyze that transaction for whatever reason uh, because it's going to be a gas cuzzler, and I'm going to get a lower social credit score because uh, you know of climate change. I can pay you
1: in gold for your car if I want to. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, gold and silver are amazing in a barter type world because they're not digital. You're not a digital slave in their digital world. It's a private transaction that's portable. You can carry it with you. You know, gold for for high ticket items, silver for low ticket items, just day to day stuff. I mean, it really is a de facto currency in a worst case scenario. Well, it might be your ticket right uh, to freedom. Um, But outside of that worst case scenario well, it's just a stinking good investment right now. I mean, silver's up literally like 9% in the last week. Um, it's up over 45% in the last six months, over 110% in the last three years. I mean, it's just doing really well. But but to me, we're, we're beyond the point of just investing into something because it's doing well and it minimizes your risk. We also have to consider the future ramifications of our freedom, right? And And tangible assets like gold and silver are the pathway to financial freedom because it it it's a private transaction that doesn't make you a digital slave in their digital world and something you've been talking about is
0: this meeting in durban south africa of the brics nations the russian embassy alluding that it could be gold backed and we've seen various signals that the the us dollar might lose its its prominence And you told me about an interesting headline with the IMF about Chinese uh, currency being used to pay
1: off debt. Can you explain that one? Well, just two days ago, the the International Monetary Fund said, hey, countries settling with each other on their debt. You know, so let's say uh, Brazil owed Pakistan some money. And it's like, okay, instead of using the US dollar as the world's reserve currency, they said, okay. We can use the Chinese renminbi. So the renminbi is the the Chinese internal currency that's used, you know, for day to day stuff in China. The yuan is their external currency, you know, for for international settlements. So, so the IMF said instead of the U.S. dollar, we're going to use the internal Chinese currency for settlements of all debts between companies countries it's like oh my word wow like last nail in the coffin for the u.s dollar's death right it's like this now international settlement what's next asset, there's not <laughs> any other the only other thing left is to completely dismantle the u.s economy right because they took out the petrodollar right they now they've got international settlements for anything going away um the, i mean this the the demand for the U.S. currency stinks because the interest rate cycle and everything else happening in our massive amount of debt. So the only yeah. thing that's left is to collapse the country internally and not just take away these, these um, given statuses for the U.S. dollar that all international settlements are traded in it, that all oil is traded in it, right? Well, they're doing that by dismantling the banking system. So if people lose confidence in the U.S. currency altogether – it's lights out. The BRICS nations have a clear path to success because nobody will trust the U.S. dollar. Anymore. Especially
0: for, for those bonds, those reserves. You know, the U.S. has a very robust bond market. Nothing else compares to it. Uh, the Chinese currency doesn't have a good bond market. And so if the BRICS launch this currency, this gold backed, then everyone's going to have to have gold reserves to, to back that currency. Uh, then we're going to have a new reserve currency because no one's going to want the stupid
1: U.S. dollars that are backed by nothing. Right, a hundred percent. I mean, I wouldn't. Would you? I mean, the, this this was the this was the problem Roosevelt had back when they decided they were going to confiscate gold back in the thirties because back then, um, gold and the U.S. dollar were convertible. You could go to the bank. You could go to Sears. Spend twenty bucks or or one ounce of gold that said twenty dollars on it. And and after World War One, the US was bankrupt, like literally no money. So they started issuing war bonds. And Roosevelt said, hey, America, you have to want these things. You have to bail out America. And they said, no way, we, we've got gold. Why, why do you want something? We think you're bankrupt. So he forced the issue and confiscated gold. So people would have to go into their stupid war bonds, right? So fast forward to today. Gold is no longer backs our currency at all, right? That's been decades since that that's been around. So it's not a, a currency that it, it's just an investment like anything else. And under Dodd-Frank, basically they said, Oh, if we got to bail somebody out, we'll just do bail-ins, right? So this is the new methodology for governments confiscating people's assets, is through a bail-in. Um, not by going door to door and saying, Hey, we want your gold, we want your silver, we want your tangible assets, whatever you have. No. They're just going to do it with a flip of a switch and say, okay, 10% one-off special purpose tax, a bail-in, you had a hundred grand in your bank account tonight, you're going to have 90,000 tomorrow. That's the easy path to government confiscation of people's assets. Trying to find a private asset that's at a depository or buried in your backyard or wherever you put it, it's going to be difficult at best, right? And so it's easy to get to the end. It's only 2% of the population owned gold only 0.9% own silver. It's not a big enough pie for anybody to be worried about on confiscation, in my opinion, when they can go after the digital low-lying fruit the bank accounts, oh. that 98% of America has. That's easy. <laughs> That's a good point, because I
0: think that might be one thing that people are thinking to themselves, oh, what if the government tries to confiscate my gold? But you're right that they would obviously confiscate the thing that they already have can attach to your bank accounts uh, seamlessly like they already do. The IRS already does it. Uh, so my my thought as we're closing out this talk is about being proactive versus reactive. Because if people are choosing to be proactive now and anticipate what could unfold in the coming months and years, it's going to be a lot different than after. Like, for example, now we have international debts settled almost exclusively in US dollars. But if we fast forward six months, or one year, we're going to see more Chinese currency, perhaps the BRICS currency, whatever it might be, being settled in. And and so that's a really different uh, valuation for the US dollar. That's a really different valuation for gold. And so I'm thinking to myself, if people can start to anticipate and, 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 and be proactive now about their decisions rather than reacting once the BRICS already make the announcement in August, once uh, the IMF changes their policy again with international settlements of debts. You know, you know what I mean? That, that it just it seems kind of um, silly to wait until the sky falls <laughs> it, rather than just, you know, figure out a, a protection plan
1: now. You know what I mean? No, it you never want to wait till the sky falls. I mean, at some point when central bank digital currency hits us, FedNow is alive and well, which actually as of July twentieth today, <laughs> um, you know, you you've got JP Morgan Chase this is bringing the FedNow app live to it to its customers, right? So, and it's gonna to continue to roll from bank to, bank to bank to bank to bank to bank. Um, I would rather be nine months early six months early three months early than one day late because one day late might mean you don't get the funds out right yeah
0: that's a good point especially depending on how how active you are politically uh, if you're the kind of person who watches Badlands Media, <laughs> then they're already, they've already uh, identified you. So uh, yes. thank you. <laughs> I, I don't want to scare people too much, but like, it literally already happened to me. You know, they, they know what keywords are associated with you. And we know from that 40-page report exactly what keywords. One of them is Trump uh, that they don't like. So thank you, Kirk, for educating us today. There's a link in the description below. People can get that free consultation with your team. Uh, so take advantage of that now while it's still available. And thank you, Kirk. We'll see you next week. You bet. We'll see ya.